Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and this is the Hugh Crew Podcast. The Hugh Crew is women in power working together for the greater good. Information on connecting with this week's guests are in the show notes of this episode. And everything you need to know is at ilikehugh.com. It is beautiful, and we are here. And I can't believe it, but thank you very, very much, Shana. Welcome back. Hey. Hey. And uh, Margo's going to be sitting on the team here. Yes. Margo, yes. Yeah, we had you in the hot seat. But I'm now, on the other side of the coin now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so you, you can, um, you can uh, dig in and join and want to introduce Rochelle Squires, MLA for Riel, yes. uh, Minister of Sustainable Development and also Minister for the Status of Women and Francophone Affairs. And that is the only official thing I'm going to say about her <laughs> because I promise we would not talk politics okay. unless it's the Trump word. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, we're all good. Um, so anyways, and we also want to invite, uh, uh, we have some guests here too as well. So I'm first of all going to say everybody. Yes. Welcome to the Hugh Crew, everyone, and cheers. Cheers. Work-life balance. Cheers. Cheers. To cheers. All things women. Cheers. All right. Okay, so Rochelle, since you are a guest, okay, we Wonderful. start with you. Yes, I know. Thank you. Um, it's a busy year, busy summer, uh, election time coming up. So I know. Uh, what is it like? You know, at this point now, when it's like things are going to start to gear up, and you know. Well, first of all, let me say congratulations to you. Eighteen episodes. Uh, way to go. <laughs> And it's a real honor to be here with some of these amazing women and yeah. to be on this panel. So thank you so much for including me here today. So what is it like in an election season? It's, it's busy. It's active. Um, but I'm, uh, I, there's two things that I love most in, in, uh, in life, and that's being outdoors and being with people. And so the campaign trail is a place where I really find myself at home. I love going out and talking to people mm-hmm. and just getting to know what, uh, what, what their interests are and ultimately building relationships. Right. I think that the most important attribute um, a person can bring to politics is um, a relationship. A relationship with their community. So really, I'm just out there talking to people and letting them know that if they if they want to talk about issues, mm-hmm. uh, pick up the phone or chat with me anytime they want, or if they just want to get to know me a little bit better, I'm always available yeah. for a conversation. Hey. See, and now doesn't that just cut the ice? But I, <laughs> would you like? I don't know. I, we know her now, or I know you now, and I would do that, but. Would you do that for somebody that's running in your writing? And- yeah, pick up the phone and try and have a conversation with them. <laughs> if they're on my street or at an event that I'm at, I, I would certainly feel comfortable talking to them. Yeah. I think probably I feel, I assume that most of the time they get, unfortunately, like negative comments or people are more inclined to pick up the phone when there's something that they're frustrated right. about as opposed to just to find more information right. about the campaign or, or what's happening at that time. So, right. I don't know. Would I think, no. I wouldn't, right? Like, let's be honest. I don't think it would just be that natural thought, but I think that 
um, you know, with even just a brief introduction today, it's like your family, it's good. And I think we more have to approach things like that. Like the MLAs are here for us, Mm -hmm. speaking on our behalf. Mm -hmm. So make that effort. It shouldn't be so one-sided, right? That you guys are out there promoting everything. But you guys, this is for our community. This is to better Winnipeg. Like, Mm -hmm. do your part too. (laughs) Even throughout the year when I'm not in an election cycle, ever since I got elected, I've been committed to building relationships in my community and being Mm -hmm. accessible. So I always have these monthly coffee and conversations. It's a time of the month where I put the coffee on, I open up my constituency office, I invite the community. Sometimes I have 10 or 15 people show up. Sometimes I have 30 people show up. Sometimes I have two people show up. But the important thing is, is that people know that every month they can come and just sit around and have a conversation. And I've had a lot of people come through the doors and say, I've never done this before. This yes. feels a little weird. <laughs> I, know. I know. contacted my MLA to talk about an issue that I'm having, whether it be, you know, child care or just something that I, is, I'm passionate about or just really interested in politics. I've had newcomers to our um, to our community who yeah. have just recently taken the citizenship oath who are uh, very interested in democracy and how it works in Canada. So they come and they have a conversation and, and they're really excited that they get to be part of it. I love that. Yeah. Michelle, where did you get that idea from in the first place? Like, I don't believe that happens in my neighborhood. Maybe it does and I just have missed it, but did it stem from something specific? So certainly always borrowing best practices from others. And so I've met other politicians who have had these coffee and conversations and I thought, when I get elected, I will do a coffee and conversation every month, and so that's that. what I've what I've been doing. I like the yeah. when I get elected. She knew. Yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> She's good. And actually, yeah. I got invited to one of the breakfast meetings, and it really was interesting to meet you know community business people, and especially like we live in the area that I grew up in, so I now know who right. you know owns a florist in the little yeah. mall that we go to, and it, yeah, and it really I think ties in what community is all about. Mm -hmm. So in this day and age, you know, hashtag girl power, hashtag (laughs) Hugh Crew, um, politics now in the rain, women in politics. Have we progressed? Have we, is it, I don't think we're at equal levels. No, no, No. we're not. (laughs) Unfortunately, we are marching at a glacial pace. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality, not just here in Manitoba, but across Canada. And I would even dare say, say in North America, although I don't have the statistics for right. south of the border. Here in Canada, we are about 20%. In Manitoba, there are 57 seats, mm-hmm. 14 are occupied by women. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about it, it gets mm-hmm. even smaller as we look at how many women in the entire um, history of this province. We've been in Confederation for 149, almost 150 years. Ne- next yes. year is our sesquicentennial. Yeah. In 150 years... We have had, I'm the 60th woman to serve as a MLA in the legislature compared to over 800 men. Wow. So it's Whoa. a really un, uh, unequitable, unbalanced scale. It yeah. gets even smaller when you look at how many women have been around the cabinet table. Right now, our cabinet, um, I'm one of uh, five women. Um, in the history of Manitoba, there have only been 33 women sitting at that table contributing to the formation of government laws and policies and regulations. And uh, so it's really 
really been an unbalanced world. And that is that is in keeping with all provinces across the, mm-hmm. the country or, or our country and even at the federal level in, in national politics. There's certainly not um, an overwhelming amount of women. We are a minority. And is that like around the world, though, too, or so in it's other interesting. countries? I think in Europe they've had uh, many more uh, mm-hmm. women leaders. And if you just look in the UK, we've had... Um, two long-term serving women prime ministers. Prime ministers right. In Canada, we had Kim Campbell for a, a, barely a season. Yeah. And she's been our only uh, woman prime minister. Wow. So, anyways, well, you've got, you've, you've got a, a big uh, banner to bear and go for it. And uh, so when you're actually in day-to-day, what is a working work ethic or what is a working atmosphere like with the other guys? Right. So I have to say I'm really fortunate to be serving in government in this time, in this era, in 2019. It is, it is an era where um, everyone is very aware of, mm-hmm. um, of the need to achieve gender equality. So I have a premier, I have colleagues, I have a legislature that supports me and has make is making room for me, right. and we're seeing that we're seeing that in all different areas of, of society where um, other you know in in corporations and in other areas where we're making more room for women at the top. We're not mm-hmm. saying that the men we need to push you out. We love our men in in leadership, but we're just yeah. saying make room for us, mm-hmm. and that is happening in areas throughout the province, throughout our country. Yeah and in our legislature. So I'm really very pleased to be in an environment today where I don't have to constantly be fighting for my position. I'm there. No one's questioning it. Oh, good. Yeah. I can say too, through Status of Women and the federal government as well, there are there is more money kind of also being focused on this topic as yeah. well. So with ICTAM, the Technology Association, yeah. we they received a nice grant not too long yeah. ago where we have a full time staff person focused on specifically women in tech and helping women reach those positions at the top and helping that percentage mark grow a little bit higher when it comes to women in Manitoba in tech roles. So it's happening. It's mm-hmm. moving. Yeah. yeah. Slowly granted, but we've got the focus on it at least. Oh, sure. And you know what? I guess it's kind of a nice segue into entrepreneurship, women Mm -hmm. in business. I mean, Shana is a businesswoman. Yeah. (laughs) You're a host of a a podcast, Start, but also, you know, seeing seeing all of your transformations too. And we talked about it too, Margot. Um, She's my idol and (laughs) how many different ways, you know. And and maybe transform is a little the wrong word, but she's had many jobs. And when you come from my era, it's like someone has many jobs. Well, ooh, but she explained it that no, each job has progressed her mm-hmm. to become a better person, to become a better businesswoman. And I think, especially for females, that seems to be the way. I don't know. I am going to speak to that You're gonna, wholeheartedly. Yeah, I just think that, you know what, being a mother, being a wife, being a girlfriend, being all of those things, those traditional roles um, are so admirable. But I think that, you know, as a first generation Canadian, my parents came over from Trinidad like in the 70s. And my mom gave up everything to help my dad build his business and he didn't reciprocate that. That's a whole different topic. But what I will say <laughs> is that um, the one regret I have for my mother is that she didn't become who she was supposed mm-hmm. to. And so for me, it's that. 
opportunity to say your dreams can live out through at least one of your children Mm -hmm. and taking those risks like business is not easy it is not easy to be the face of your movement of what you're doing you have to live and die by the sword that you speak by and every action that you take I just think that we're in a day and age where you can literally be whatever you want to be and it's more about embodying that like CEO mindset that says, regardless of what I do, the decisions I make will be successful. Mm-hmm. And like, go make it happen. There are no excuses. I, I don't have patience or time for that. Make it happen. If you can dream it, you can literally do it. Go invest in it. Make it happen. Sit with the right people. Bring something to the table. <laughs> You're good to go. <laughs> Yeah, it is having that confidence, though, to be able to put yourself in that position of leadership. And sometimes you're fortunate enough to have the right people around you that support you with that. Like you used a good word earlier when you said, you know, the non-traditional role. And and you explained my path a little bit. And to change careers or jobs relatively frequently is non-traditional. Like Mm -hmm. I had many family members that were in more traditional roles that kind of said to me, like, are you sure? Like, what are you doing? Are you okay in your career? (laughs) Am I okay? Like, I'm doing great, you know? And so, but it's it's because they weren't used to what that path looked like, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you're in one career your whole life and that was maybe more traditional path for people to take, what I've done seems non-traditional. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I, and I think it's okay, right? Like I've done so many things yeah. over my working life and my entrepreneurial life. But then there comes a point in time where you sit back and you kind of look at like, wow, everything I've done has contributed to this moment and this season. And I wouldn't be as good as I am right now if I didn't have all of those experiences to pull on. Um, and I, I think, you know, we were talking, I was talking with Marley, you know, just yep. in the back there and we were talking about being a mother and, you know, all of those things, building your life around your kids or building your career around your life. Like those are the only two ways yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's being an entrepreneur has afforded me the opportunities to travel back and forth between here and the States. You know, when my sister needed support, I was one call away, one plane ride away. I can work from wherever I am. It's great. So I just, I think in this day and age, we have to take it advantage of that. And also opportunities. My big thing, Tracy knows this, is nobody's making a spot for you at the table. You have to see it, claim it before you're there, and then do everything possible to be there. And then make some noise, unapologetically. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting. Okay, so I'm going to throw it out to the audience. Well, Marley, if you've got the mic there. Um, Heather's sitting here, and Heather, and I remember her, I mean, body works and the whole, you know, physical fitness movement and, and, you know, opening up a gym and how many years and what was it like for you back then? You know, was obviously it was scary or was it not like you had a clear path? Tracy, I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I came from... um, teaching background. I was a phys ed teacher and was introduced to a woman who introduced the Jane Fonda aerobics to Winnipeg and we sort of developed a a friendship and before I knew it I gave up my teaching job and opened a studio with her. This was Patty Caldwell back in the early 80s and you know for me I just got lucky. I got in at the beginning and with no business acumen whatsoever, um, oh, wow. got involved in a very successful business. And we had a good run. We ran for yeah. 20, 20 years. Wow. Yeah, and you started but the, it. But the industry, industry is 
very, very, very interesting, very competitive, very challenging now. So I feel like not a lot of people would take that leap, though, from a safe teaching role, right. you know, relatively mm-hmm. safe yeah. speaking, to jump right into a business that, as you yourself put it, you have no business acumen. It's a new industry for you. What advice would you have to someone who is like has an opportunity that looks interesting in front of them? But that, I imagine, had to be quite fearful. It was. And, and you know, I couldn't do it alone. Uh, back in that day, I couldn't get financing myself. Wow. Right? Wow. I had to heard that before. Secure um, money, you know, with the assistance of my husband. <laughs> Regrettably, yeah. um, but that's just the way it was. So yeah. I, it's different now, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's I guess you know having a game plan, but um, I mean I think it's still though, and I hate to say it, as much as like. We're all successful. There's still, there's still yeah. barriers. There's mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. hoops to jump and fences to climb, and that really hasn't changed the landscape for us. So, do we fix it? Do we do we just stay like you know, like you were just saying? Like now they've ex, you know accepted. They're not pushing the men out. You know, you just want to say that we want to be let in. How do you play that fair game now instead of, well? I heard the phrase, oh, I gave in. I'm working for the man. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Is that the right term? I don't know. I don't know the solution. Sometimes it's like, you know, if you play nice, you kind of think that you might get ahead. But mm-hmm. Well, we certainly do need to uh, get to the point where we reach that tipping point. And we're not there yet. Uh, we yeah. still have we still have quite a ways to go. And I mean, that's just tragic when we hear about women who women entrepreneurs thirty years ago, twenty years ago, even today can't get a loan um, without uh, the assistance from um, a male partner or a um, husband. And that's that's a real unfortunate legacy that we've that we've inherited and that we're living in today. However, we, we know that there are institutions um, available for helping women entrepreneurs. The Women's Enterprise Centre is doing right. some really mm-hmm. good work helping women achieve uh, their dreams, helping them get access to capital and providing some of those uh, assistance. And so I continuously believe we need to push forward and, and women um, uh, will continuously make room for others. And mm-hmm. what you said was beautiful about your mom and your grandma. Mm-hmm. Their unfulfilled destiny is yeah. part of what you're living out. Mm-hmm. And then we can think about what are we leaving for the next generation? What are we Absolutely. leaving for our daughters? Yeah. There'll be unfinished dreams in all of us mm-hmm. when we're done our careers yes. because we, we couldn't get access to capital or we couldn't make those connections or we just fought and fought and fought and didn't break through that glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, the generation coming up behind us, they will achieve. And the thing is yes. that they're watching, right? They are. Yeah. And I mean, my one of my nieces is four years old, and she's a budding stylist, just like her auntie. <laughs> um, but she will be in the fitting room with you like, that doesn't look good. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> well done. Or, you know, she sees me on my phone with my headphones and she's like, auntie's working and I have work to do. And she'll pull out her crayons and her paper and she starts having a meeting. And it's great because they really are watching what we're doing. So where my sister is a nurse and she went the traditional educational route, and I love that about her, you know, she also sees that 
whoa, there's another path that I can take where, yeah, it is difficult and it is inconsistent, but it's mine and I get to be proud of that. So I think I love what you're saying about (laughs) the fact that we do have to be very mindful for what we're leaving. Um, I've talked about this on the show before. My mentor was 10 years older than me, so 40 years old, and he just didn't wake up one morning. He passed away in his sleep from a heart attack, and he was in the launch pad of his career, Um, negotiations to consult for the Raptors and stuff like Mm -hmm. this, like crazy, and um, leaving behind a five-year-old son, leaving behind all of the plans that we had for 2019. And you just don't get to do them. So also making sure that everything that's in here and in here you put on paper and you have a succession plan for because you don't know when your last day is. And somebody else can take the bones of what you've done and they can carry that out. So I think we have to look at it not just as our own personal, you know, movement, but like truly that legacy piece that you're leaving to impact the world and better the world Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Well, and people still will be, other women will still be fighting after we're fighting though. Yeah. So yeah. you're right. Like there does need to be those that succession plan in place. Mm-hmm. When we look at women in tech, for example, um, if you look at where the trajectory has been and is going, if you follow the data, mm-hmm. we won't achieve relative parity for at least 80 years. So that means that like no matter how hard we work right now, if it's on the same path that it's going on now, your kids and your grandkids right. will still, your granddaughter yeah. will not have parity in tech still in her life time like maybe toward the end of it but not in the bulk of her of her career so there is certainly still something we need to do yeah we're on the right path talking about it Mm -hmm. well and I don't know and I might call upon Karen who is the (laughs) ultimate family and mother and you know what it does it boil right down to it that we are innate we have a caring gene whatever because we're female that and I, and I hate to say it because, no, we all need to be successful, but, you know, maybe this is our destiny. I don't know. I, I mean, let's try. Let's tr- strive to be equals, mm-hmm. but maybe we're never meant to be. And I just want to know, too, you know, maybe with Karen, I mean, you know, you got a beautiful family and, you know, we all have families or blended families and, um, you know, the whole family unit has really changed over the years, don't you think, too? And, uh, you know, how did you, how do you do work-life balance, I guess, would be the question. And I think this is sort of, you know, what we're talking about. Well, first of all, I want to say that I really admire all of you women. Um, and, you know, I, if I have to admit, I think I have um, unfulfilled dreams. But having said that, I've had a wonderful life. Um, I come from a therapeutic background. I worked in a hospital up until I had my, my son. And shortly after my son was born, um, my, husband's, my husband was involved in the family business, in a you know, fairly large family business. And his father was killed in a, in a car accident. And he took over the business, which entailed tons of travel. And I found myself um, pregnant again with, with my second. And so I decided at that point that I was going to stay at home because I just didn't, I couldn't see... Um, the balance working at that time. So um, I, my career was, uh, was a mother and I got very involved in my kids' lives. You know, I was, I head up the gymnastics programs and, and very involved in, in, you know, like in, in the parent guilds at school and things like that. And I don't regret any of that, but I'm at this point in my life now where I'm thinking, 
what next? Yeah. Uh, my kids are involved in our family business today. They're they're 30 and 28, and um, they're they're doing really really well. Um, they're definitely leaders in their in their field. Um, so I I think that I I had something to do with that. Um, but um, I am left with um, a little bit of unfulfilled um, dreams and. You know, I've got I got some ideas. Never but okay, well, you can always like <laughs> join join in the Hucker, and this is exactly what we want to yeah. hear. I mean, we can talk and talk and talk, but you know, now you, we can kind of see. You know, there there's so many other opportunities out there, and you know, even Rochelle being in politics, I probably would guess that wouldn't be your your dream when you were five years old, or was it? Oh, no. no, no, no. I think Marco and I are very similar in that um, I've had many careers and many, many um, twists and turns along the way here, but family has always been very important to me as well, and, and I did spend some years at home raising my children right. and really believe that um, balance is really, it's not a day-to-day -day thing, it's a season-to-season -season thing. And right now I'm in a season of work. I have had seasons where I've been more um, more invested in at home and with my children in uh, various stages of their uh, growth. And now I'm in a season of work in, in my career. But certainly it hasn't been a linear path towards no. um, uh, towards politics. It's a lot of detours and it still is. I still have a lot of interests outside of yeah. my work life. I still have my home life that's really yeah. important to me. And trying to find a little bit of balance um, is is what keeps me sane. Yeah, and so that you go for long walks in the bush with Aaron <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. It's like you like to do that too. Do, yeah, so yeah. there's synergy there. Yeah, it's all yeah. right. Okay. So. You know, one thing when you say that that makes me think of, um, and maybe with our audience members, like it's a little bit the opposite, but I'm thinking, for me, wondering if I want to have kids and whether they might hinder my career path, mm -hmm. you've been quite successful, as have you know many people on this panel. Um, but do you feel like there were points where it held you back in your career at all by deciding to have a family? Well, I was a teenage mom. I had my first child when I was um, uh, uneducated, not even graduated from high school. So my whole life has been done in reverse. So I had my first son as a teenage mother and had to really figure out what am I going to do from this point forward to give the best life I can possibly give for my son. He's 30 now. He's an engineer. He's my hiking partner. Oh, and, okay. uh, and, and things worked out very well, but it was it was challenging. I put I put my life in in uh, a different a, di a different path than what many people would uh, you know consider more of a traditional path to building a career. So I had my children, then I got my education, and once I started, once I went back to school, because I knew for me uh, the key would be education to get myself out of the jam that I was in and to build a better life for my children. So that was always my motivator, and I started going uh, to school. And I haven't stopped. I'm still in school. And I've just, wow. I, I've gone uh, throughout um, many different uh, paths. And I, I yeah. landed in, in journalism and with my communications degree and building it from there. And uh, one of the things that um, all, has stuck with me ever since I took my first journalism class was my instructor said to me, if you can string a sentence together, you'll never be out of work. <laughs> and and it yeah. has, uh, that, that has been my destiny. I have always been able to uh, find exciting, intriguing work and just always looking for, um, for something uh, positive to do with my career. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I don't know. I think... Um, 
I think you're good. I think you're good. <laughs> yes, yes. No, 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 Marco. I'm no, 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 no. No, I think it's, though, I'm a bonus mom, right? My, yeah, you're a bonus my mom. My boyfriend yes. has a 12-year-old who I met when he was seven and um, have been super privileged to help raise and impart into his life. And, um, you know, my partner and I talk about having kids and I'm like, I need like three years, like, <laughs> you know, so I think I'm very much like you. There's been seasons where I'm like, I absolutely don't want to have kids. And then where I'm like, I absolutely need to know what a little mini Shana would be like. You know, and I guess being able to also help my sister raise her kids and mm-hmm. be like. Auntie Mommy is what we, you know, would refer to me as, is is one of the other great things where you get to see that you just, it's a shift. Yeah. You, you know, when I'm back in Winnipeg, I don't have all the freedom that I have when I'm dealing with a 12-year-old. Their ages mean, make so much difference as mm-hmm. well. So I think also kind of timing your seasons for, mm-hmm. you know... So true. Whatever the priority is, we're always going to end up making a sacrifice, and this is going to go back to one of the mm-hmm. points that you made about equality, we're women. We're never going to be equal. We're always better in the sense <laughs> that we yeah. are going to be powerhouses in the home as well as we can have careers. And I think that if we look for the balance in the midst of that mm-hmm. and not so much trying to compete with men, because they can't do what we do. No, they can't have babies. Right? And I think until <laughs> men can have babies, then it'll all be We're good. But, uh, you know what? I just want to say, you know, thank you everybody for being here. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank yes. you, Margo. And a very special thank you to Liz and her girls from Swish. We are at Swish Co-Create, this beautiful yes. space. So, so beautiful. Yes. And so, our audience. And our audience. Yes. Yes. Marley. <laughs> Marley's my mini-me. Kenzie. It was so great and joining in the conversation. So we can raise our glasses now. I think we're, yes. we're done. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Hugh Crew Podcast. For more Hugh Crew, go to ilikehugh.com. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikehugh.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.